Well, good morning, Church on the Rock. (coughs) Thank you so much for joining us here live. And uh, for those of you who are new, welcome, welcome. And uh, I'm our lead pastor, Dave Overholt. Welcome to our online campus. I hope you are gathered around uh, enjoying our message, enjoying the poinsettias, a little bit of the, the taste of the Christmas story. Uh, I hope you can, uh, this, this can be a bit of a start to some of your Christmases. Uh, I know a lot of us came and enjoyed last week where, uh, where Cara took us through actually uh, exercises and we practiced uh, just that slow down Sunday. Uh, our next service is, of course, Christmas Eve, and uh, it's going to be here, uh, 7 to 8, real short, but lots of Christmas carols, lots of Christmas carols, a short Christmas story, and uh, if, if that's a part of your tradition, to have a, a Christmas Eve service, I hope you can be a part of this. Well, let's dig into God's Word and uh, His message to us, and I'm going to, to pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You are good. You are good all the time, and, and, and we... We studied your goodness for many weeks. And I can't just, I I can't imagine the number of facets of the beautiful jewel of your goodness to us. God, I I know there's a rush getting here and getting family and, but you want us to be able to slow down and be in your presence. Lord, help us to be able to take from your word, to be able to worship you. Lord, help us to uh, gain new insight, but also to be reminded of old. We invite you now to come and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not sure about you. I love mysteries. I love good mysteries. Some kind of like whodunit or that kind of story. I remember I grew up with, uh, like, I know I'm older than most here. I grew up with Murder, She Wrote. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, you know Murder, She Wrote. Wow. How about Columbo? Yeah. Wasn't Columbo good? He's walking out the door and he says, yeah, just wait a minute. And he comes back and it just bothers the socks off of everybody. It's so good. I love those things. And especially the ones where you don't know what the right answer is. And all of a sudden you go, oh, oh yes, yes. And all of a sudden the whole story kind of makes sense. Now, now these days, I'll, uh, I'll do anything Sherlock, you know, anything Sherlock Holmesy. I'll do. I've watched the TV series, the BBC thing. It's like, oh, that is so good. I love a mystery. I love mysteries. There, there's something about a mystery that does, does at least one thing. It gives us this, wow, wow, now everything makes sense. And you can almost go back through the story and unpack it because, wow, everything makes sense once that mystery is revealed. This morning we're going to be talking about a plan, a mystery, that was in the makings for thousands of years. And it's going to beat all mysteries. Sherlock Holmes, nothing like it. This mystery is going to beat all mysteries. And not only that, this mystery is not fiction. It's written in reality. And it is important, so deadly important. It's almost like a whole other thing that's hidden. In, in wartime, there are like there's, there's sort of there's things that are hidden that the enemy doesn't know about. Uh, my, uh, my dad was in the Second World War, and uh, he told me about some of the things that were hidden. And uh, while he was stationed in England, he saw some of the things like, like the, the, the cardboard 
tanks that they had sort of pretending that things were at one, at one end where before D-Day where they're going to hit the beach of, you know, further south. And he said there's these, these things that were hidden. Of course, there's codes that go back and forth that the enemy is trying to break all the time. I believe the battle at Midway was won because they found out the code and was able to, were able to find out the hidden mystery. And so not only do mysteries give us that wow, some mysteries contain these hidden things which win a battle in war. And so we're digging into this mystery of, of Christmas. Not only in the, the mystery of Christmas, but this is a real-time life and death war situation that contains this mystery. And so let's talk about this amazing ministry. If you read the Bible, you notice it, it's talked about again and again. For instance, in Colossians 4.3, this is what it says. Paul <clears throat> is, is talking uh, about the message that we all, that we all proclaim, that the message uh, of, of God. And this is what he says, pray for us too, in Colossians 4.3. Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his, here it is, his mysterious plan, his mysterious plan, his mysterious plan concerning Christ. There's this mystery that sort of uh, was uh, planted all through Old Testament history. And it makes us go, wow, this is amazing. It makes us go, wow. And we get to see behind the scenes some of the life and death, real-time struggle that this mystery was happening with. So let's talk about God's story. We've here at Church on the Rock, we've talked about sort of the whole swath of God's story, that God created this world in perfection. We live in a, in a place that was created with perfection. But human choices, we know, have ruined God's gift to all of us. It's ruined our planet. It's broken relationships with God. It just spun us all down into this, this sort of spiral that, that uh, we just don't know, uh, is, you know how we're going to get out of. And two questions remain. Will we just live in this ruin in the Old Testament times? Okay, we broke it. We broke the planet. We broke the relationship with God. Will we just live in the midst of this ruin? Will we just live in the midst of this ruin? And is there any way to sort of bring it back? Is there any hope whatsoever to come back? And so God leaves us our first clue. It's almost like he's going, okay, I can't tell you everything now, but I'm going to drop a little clue so you can try and figure it out. So thousands of years in the future, you can look back and go, oh, okay, ready to go, okay, here, here we go. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God is handing out curses to the people who have disobeyed him, including the evil one. And this is what he tells the evil one. Genesis 3, 15, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and other your people, your people, evil one, and her offspring, all of her people. So there will be this continual struggle on planet earth of your people, evil one, and her people, human beings. And this struggle will continue to happen. And so he's talking about millions. He's talking about like millions and millions that will, are yet to be born. And then all of a sudden something changes. And, and the grammar changes in this passage. And then he's, he, he makes it from millions to one person. He, he brings it down to singular, and it says, but he will strike your head. Notice it's not millions, it's not thousands, it's not everybody's going to make this thing better. There's one person, he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. So he's talking to 
the prince of darkness, saying, listen, you're going to hurt him. You're going to strike his heel. But this one person, singular, is going to uh, strike your head back. There's this constant battle back and forth. And this, this Hebrew word, suf, which could be translated crush or bruise, uh, is, is understood really to be, uh, to, it, sort of the, the push of it is to be able to say crush. Paul understood this word to be crushed, for he refers it to it in the past saying, God will soon crush Satan under your feet. It's in, in Romans 16, 20. So here's this visual picture. At the beginning of time, perfect earth, we ruined it, and God said, okay, I'm going to give you a little clue of how this is going to get fixed. It's almost this visual picture of somebody, one person, gets hit on the heel by the evil one, and it's going to wound him. But it's almost like a setup, right? You struck my heel, boom, I'm going to crush your head. It was like this setup, you go ahead and you know, strike my heel, but guess what? I, because of that setup, I'm going to totally crush your head. So we have this visual picture of evil in a final battle between one person and the evil one uh, to be able to, to, to be played out. And the, and the outcome isn't in doubt. This human being will be born in generations, but he will obliterate the power of evil. And so people started to have seeds of hope that this was not going to continue to get worse and worse. The next hero of the faith is Abraham, who follows God's voice uh, from, from Ur and goes and settles in the, the land of Canaan. And, and he gets three blessings. He gets three blessings. Number one, he will be the father of, of many nations. He will be the father of nations. And we find out, hold on, that's true, that's true. The second big blessing is his people will forever have a chosen piece of land, which we thought for a moment was, was not going to happen, but now they have that piece of land. It's interesting, so check. Here's the last blessing, the last blessing. It's found in Genesis 12, 3. And, and it says this, God is talking to Abraham. He says, I will bless those who bless you. In other words, I'm going to protect you, and if people bless you, I'm going to make sure they are blessed back. And the one who curses you, I will curse. I am on your side. You are my chosen people. And then it says this. And in you, in you, that's really important. And in you, all the families of earth will be blessed. So not only will you be blessed, Abraham, but guess what? Because of something in you, the whole earth, every kind of people group around the world will be blessed. In other words, in other words, guess what? You know that, that, that one person that we talked about crushing evil? Guess what? In you, Abraham, is a child. And your child, 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 child will someday, someday be born and bless every people group on the planet. You talk to uh, Jewish people now about that. What does that mean? And they'll say, well, I guess we won a lot of Nobel Prizes. But then you look back and it say, hold on, no, it's a person. And guess what? It's not just a person. It's going to bless every single people group in the world. So the mystery continues. Another hero of the faith is King David. King David was the greatest Jewish king of the time. And he received a promise also. At the end of his life, he said, I want to build you a temple. I have palaces. I want to build you a temple. And so God says, no, you're not going to build me a physical temple. And listen to what he says in 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 13. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up 
your offspring to succeed you. In other words, here's a child. Some person that was talked about way back in Adam and Eve, this person that was going to, that was in Abraham, is now going to come through your line, David, King David. I will raise up your offspring, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Forever. So your child, King David, is going to build a house that's going to last forever. And not only that, his kingdom's going to last forever. So you go, okay, cool, that's Solomon, right? So King David had Solomon, and he built a temple, but it didn't last forever, did it? It got toasted. It just got crumbled. And his line didn't last forever. So you go, hold on, was God wrong? Did the, the biblical writers get this one wrong? Oops, <laughs> sorry, I got that one wrong. Or is this another part of a mystery that's sort of just pieced together bit by bit. Instead of David building a house for the Lord, God would instead build a house out of David. Uh, he would do this by and conferring on David as offspring, the promise that God had given to Eve, to Abraham, and Jacob. We didn't even stop with Jacob. We just kept on, kept on going to say, these little clues God left through the Old Testament. It got more and more pronounced near to the end. One of the, the, the later prophets, Isaiah, starts writing more and more about the, the, the clues of this person that was talked about by Eve, that was talked about, about Abraham, that was confirmed about King David. All of a sudden, uh, Isaiah starts to write so much more, and I don't have time. We would take another hour to read all of his prophecies. But this is what he says, and I love this one because it's so Christmas, so Christmas. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. <clears throat> For a child is born to us. There it is, that person. There is a person from Eve, from Abraham, from King David. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. In other words, he will be a king. And he will be called, what will he be called? Wonderful counselor. Okay, so he's intimately close. He's, he, he listens to us so closely. Mighty God, hold on, time out. We're not allowed to even say God's name, let alone call a person God. What a mystery is this? How can a person be called mighty God? Everlasting Father, there it is again in Prince of Peace. This mysterious person will win the final battle with evil. He'll bring the blessings of God to every people group of the world. He will be a king of the kingdom that will last forever. He'll be intimately personal as a peace-giving counselor and mighty as eternal God himself. I wonder who that is. <laughs> and we on the other side of Christmas can smile and nod and go, this is the mystery of Christ. This is the mystery that Paul preached about. There is this huge mystery bubbling in the background. But guess what? Christmas Day, the mystery was revealed in a tiny suburb of Jerusalem. A young unknown couple would have a baby. Uh, it would only be known to them that he was fully God and fully human. He would be called Jesus, which means Savior. He would be the one to win the final battle against evil. His heel would be 
pierced. In fact, it's interesting. Archaeology has found two bodies of people who have been crucified. Guess what? In both of those bodies, there's still a nail wrapped around their heel. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? That the heel that would be pierced crushed the evil one. He would be the one, Jesus would be the one to win the final battle against evil. He would be the one to bring peace to every people group in the world. And that's why when Jesus says, that's why, if you remember when Jesus says, listen, if things are going to get worse and worse and worse. There's going to be battles and famines and, and, and the world's going to get worse. But guess what? The, the, the gospel, the good news is going to be preached to every people group. Why did he say that? To fulfill what was told to Abraham. He said, he's basically, once it's preached to every person, I'm coming back. Because now that fulfills the promise that we gave thousands and thousands of years ago. He would win the final battle against evil. He would bring peace to every people group. He would reign king, reign king over his people forever. And we're examples of that. Christians, we are in his kingdom. And he is our king. And so his reign continues. And he would initiate a relationship with, that was intimately personal. Don't we experience that? When we hear God and he taps us and he leads us. When he whispers to us and we worship and our, our souls are connected to him, he becomes wonderful counselor, prince of peace. And yet he is also to be worshipped as holy God. This single greatest mystery of all time was revealed during Christmas time. It was revealed to a bunch of unknown shepherds. <laughs> it was hidden. It wasn't just a mystery. But it, was a, it was hidden and it was hidden for a reason. It was whispered through the stars to the Magi who traveled from Persia, Assyria, and Babylon. Actually, to fulfill more biblical prophecies in Psalm 72.11, it says, All kings will bow before him. All kings will bow before him. And so it is. All kings from, from uh, outside of Israel would come and bow before him. So the mystery is solved in Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, the light of the world. Almost with shaking arms of excitement, you can hear... The first preachers talk about it. First Timothy 3.16. Paul's talking about this to, uh, to his, his protege. And this is what he th says. First Kim, uh, Timothy 3.16. He says, without question, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. What's the great mystery? We don't get it, but for thousands of years they're saying, who, who is this person? Who is this person that can, you know, spin all these things together? Without a question, here's the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit at his baptism. He was seen by angels, as they announced him, announced to the nations, and that's what Paul was doing. He was believed throughout the world and taken to heavenly glory. God all did this through, uh, throughout human history under the radar for two reasons, I believe. Number one, so we could sit back and go, wow. You're awesome. The things that you knew ahead of time, the things, the people that you moved around, the things that you were able to say, it is just utterly amazing. We need to sit back and go, God, your understanding is greater than mine. You are higher and wiser and deeper than I can ever be. <clears throat> but I believe there's a second reason why so much was hidden. And I believe God is fighting this war through human agents. There is a real-time battle. Like, this is real. There is a real-time battle that's going on even now. And God is fighting the battle through us. Through us. 
his people that love him. And fighting against the evil forces that would have, have us have no hope. You see sort of the, the, the battle that was forming at the, at the time of Jesus' birth. You, you, you heard about King Herod, right? Who's heard, who heard about, hold on, hold on, there's, there's a Messiah, there's a king. And he goes and kills children. Why? Because, again, the evil forces are working through humans to be able to try and tear down God's plan. But God works through his people to fight back. There's this almost like punch it out kind of thing happening on planet Earth through the evil forces and through God's people. And it says this, pretty much this says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 7 to 8. It says, Paul says this, the, the, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. There it is, the mystery again. All this stuff was mystery. The plan that was previously hidden. Okay, so all this stuff was previously hidden. God wanted it to be hidden. Even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. So in other words, he had this plan to restore us to him, to restore us to heaven. God had this fantastic plan, but it was hidden. And you go, God, why didn't you just tell us? Right? Why didn't you say, hey, guess what? There's going to be a baby born in Bethlehem. His name's Jesus. It's going to be about this year. You know, go and worship him. <laughs> All right? But it says this. But the rulers of this world... And, and, and the rulers of this world here, the, the evil powers, uh, but the rulers of this world had not under, have not understood it. If they had, they would never have crucified our glorious Lord. In other words, there's a real-time battle. The evil powers did not understand what was going on. Can I tell you the truth? The people following God didn't know what was going on either, right? They had no idea. They were given little glimpses, that's it. Only God knew the truth. And here we come to one more verse. If you want to take any verse away, take this one. It's Deuteronomy 29, 29. Easy to remember, both numbers, right? Here it is. <clears throat> the Lord, our God, has secrets known to no one. <laughs> All right, we got to know that one, right? You got to go, but, but why, God? But how come this didn't, hold on. There are secrets, there are secrets known to no one that God has. We are not accountable for them. In other words, it's not our responsibility to figure everything out, right? It's not your responsibility, not my responsibility to figure it all out. But we and our children are accountable for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey in other words, he's, he's going to give you a little bit. He's going to give you the grand plan of, of what Jesus has done. He's, he's telling you specifically what you need to do in your part. And that's all you got to know. And you can't go, well, why, why am I doing this part? And, and how come this didn't work? And That's God's level. Okay, that's beyond my pay level. All I'm asked to do is my part. We aren't asked to figure it out. But the light he does give us, we must obey. <clears throat> so each piece of the Christmas story played out their part. Mary, you're going to get pregnant with the Holy Spirit. No one's going to understand. You're going to lose your whole family and all your friends. She wouldn't know all that meant, would she? Not a clue. She didn't know the higher story. We do. She had no idea. But you know what her response was? I am the Lord's servant. You know why we love Mary? <clears throat> because of that one phrase. 
I am the Lord's servant. Joseph, okay, guess what? Your fiance is pregnant. What? <laughs> what? And Joseph, being a good man, decided not to make it a public thing. He was going to try and make it a public thing to honor Mary, but he was out of there. <laughs> Until he had a dream, he had no idea what it all meant, did he? He had no idea. He didn't know that Jesus was going to go and die. That, that he didn't have had any clue. But you know what it says? Joseph did as the Lord commanded. I'm your servant. The shepherds, they, they were the first ones and the only ones of Israel really to see their newborn king, right? This, this should be, you know, mind-bendling uh, awesome. And yet the, the shepherds just say, hey, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that's happened. <laughs> we should go. <laughs> so they went. The Magi had no idea that they were representing the world, coming to the world's Savior, that every tongue, tribe, and nation would know Jesus. And yet, what did they do? They just simply said, we've come to worship him. That's it. Each played their part. Even when their part was wrapped in total mystery. Uh, generations from now, people are shaking the head at the wonder and the wow of how God has put it all together. And yet, it was done on the backs of simple people, ordinary people, that had no idea about the bigger plan. All they knew was, you want me to do this? Here I am, your servant. <laughs> the camera pans back, and you see the glory of God working through each one. So what's our takeaway for this Christmas? What's our takeaway for Christmas? I think it's obvious, isn't it? There's some things you're not going to figure out, and there's some things you're not going to know until the other side. There it just is. Do I have some ideas? I have some ideas. But I, ca I can't tell you for any certainty why things happen the way they do. But I do want to ask each one of us, what has he asked you to do next? That's it. What's your small part that you need to play in the midst of God's unending mystery as he unfolds more and more? You know there's mystery still to come, right? I, we get a little glimpse of, of what heaven is and, and what the end times are, all that stuff. No one really knows what it's all about, man. All we know, it's awesome and at the end God is glorified and we win. And he tells us that we stand before his throne and shout holy, holy, holy to him. And we join the angels and that's all we know. And except on the way there's a lot of mystery. I'm not actually needing to figure it out. All I need to do is say, okay, God, what do I need to do next? I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. So... This Christmas time, this Christmas time, for you at home, our online campus here, the campus here at, uh, at Calvin Christian, what does God want you to do next? If you've never made your faith personal, if you've gone to church, if you have said, you know, uh, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian, I, I came from Christian parents, but you and God have never actually made this a personal event in your life, that's your next step. God simply wants you to say your first yes to him, which is, yes, I want you to be my savior. I believe Jesus who died and rose again, and I want that for myself. 
It, you can't leave that up to your parents. You can't leave that up to your church. It needs to be you and God. So if you've never done that, this is what the Christmas story is for you. To make your personal relationship with God, just start by saying, God, I, I believe you died and rose again. I want to be in your family. And as we worship, you need to do that. For the rest of us who are Christians, discipleship is movements. Discipleship is the next step. And so what's your next step? As we worship now, let's ask God, what's the next thing you want me to do in the grand play and scheme of things? And you might think, my part's not that big. Who cares? It, 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 it might seem big, but it might seem small. But God uses small things to make amazing stories. So God, what do you want me to do next? Let's pray and ask him that. Heavenly Father, thank you for this Christmas story that you wove in a mystery. And, and yet in real time, in real time, you are defeating evil. You've done that through Jesus Christ on the cross and now through your church. God, help us all to know what do you want me to do next. And to listen closely to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take time with four worship songs. If you're new here, they, we have communion tables. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to come and reflect over Jesus' death and resurrection for you. Let's worship him.